It's another episode on a Saturday, but you might be listening to it on another day. Do you think I should be a singer? That just came to me in the moment. Imagine that. Imagine the talent. Um, so, Aaron Smith-Levin, he's back. He was only on a few days ago talking about leaving Scientology. He's been a good sort of, what would you call it, contributor to this podcast for some time now uh, on all things Scientology. And I don't know if you guys know, there was this big uh, thing called the Golden Globes. It's not as big as it was when Ricky Gervais was hosting it. But this other fella called, uh, what is it, Carmichael. Jesse Car Jared Carmichael, American comedian. He was doing the thing instead of Ricky Gervais, you know, the hosting of the awards. And he came out with this joke about, you know, because Tom Cruise, I think, didn't accept some Golden Globes. And he was saying, he, you know, he's the these are the Golden Globes we're giving back to him uh, or whatever. And maybe he can trade them, Tom Cruise, that is, for Shelley Miscavige. And it was one of the first times where uh, that kind of information that we talk about sometimes on this podcast, something that's like quite... Uh, insider into the weeds knowledge about Scientology has been really, really in a very loud and mainstream way uh, put out into the ether there. So that was uh, a big moment, I think, where Tom Cruise and Scientology were really taken down in a very public way. It must have been quite embarrassing for him. The, the point is, we don't know where Shelley Miscavige is. That's the wife of leader David Miscavige. Apparently, no one's seen her since the 2000s Leah Remini the actress from King of Queens who left Scientology she's the one who first brought this up or brought this into the public public consciousness um, and has been very worried about her old friend Shelley Miscavige Erin says that she has actually been seen in the last few years so you'll hear a little bit about that where she is being held it's just the most extraordinary thing this whole thing is mad it's absolutely mad so I hope you find this of interest um, coming up on the podcast are episodes with atheist Emma Thorne about atheism agnosticism all that stuff Coleman Hughes I'm going to meet him actually just in a couple of days in London to record that one uh, very exciting and that's going to be in person and I don't know what we're going to talk about but he's a great uh, writer and speaker of all things to do with the culture wars and um, psychology and things like that so that's coming up and feminist Helen Lewis on the gurus of, of social media and things like that which is also you know Andrew Tate and the Jordan Petersons of this world that's going to be really interesting so I'm really excited about what's coming up but now you're on the edge of the disappearance of Shelley Miss Cavage with Aaron Smith Levin I wanted to ask because there was a big thing with this Carmichael comedian guy the Golden Globes about Shelley Miscavige so for anyone who doesn't know about the whole thing of Shelley because some people wouldn't have ever heard of Scientology I don't know why they're even watching this but um, give us a little insight into the whole Shelley Miscavige thing and then we'll get on to what's happened so Shelley Miscavige is the wife of Scientology leader David Miscavige and she was famously banished from Scientology's international management base around 2005 and it's been widely reported that she hasn't been seen since um uh so yeah uh, this is something that's grown uh, a life of its it's you know taken on a life of its own in the media uh th the fact is you would never almost never publicly see the people who work at any of these secretive international bases but but because Leah Remini one of the reasons like the beginning of her her exit out of Scientology started with showing up to Tom Cruise's wedding, seeing that David Miscavige was there without his wife, seeing David Miscavige's uh, uh, his assistant getting a little handsy with him, if you know what I'm saying. And she was like, where's Shelly? And 
another Scientology exec said to her, you don't have the effing rank to ask about Shelly. And, uh, and Shelly's been banished to um, another Scientology base really since 2005. And so <laughs> um, uh, I feel like someone must have put Jared Carmichael up to this joke because he, he even mispronounced the name Miscavige. Uh, but it was funny. And, and honestly, this whole thing is, is really kind of an a public embarrassment for David Miscavige. So seeing him get publicly ridiculed about this is, is amazing. Uh, the fact that Miscavige has refused to like put his wife into anything that like, you know, Scientology promo, a little commercial, maybe a magazine or, or something like this, put her into anything that would quiet down the rumors that maybe he like had someone uh, get rid of her, like permanently get rid of her. Um, it, it <laughs> the whole thing just reflects so horribly on David Miscavige as a person, as an individual, as the leader of Scientology, that uh, it just really cracks me up to see it get national exposure like that. And the interesting thing about that joke, because because we do a lot on you know whether it be cults in general or Scientology or whatever, and we some I don't know how you feel, but I sometimes feel like we're in this little corner of the internet, and lots of people come and watch us, and it's all very nice and all that. Um, but when it comes out, you know, a mainstream comedian at the Golden Globes, I didn't think they even knew. Like, I didn't know that was like, like that joke went down well and caused a storm. So obviously everyone knows the name or a lot more people than I thought know the name Shelley Miscavige and they know about what's going on. And I just wondered, this is why at the moment, I don't know if I'll change it later, the title to this is, is, is missing Shelley Miscavige ruining Tom Cruise's career. Because is there a point where there's a power play or Tom Cruise then turns around to Dave Miscavige like, hey, this is actually going a bit far because the joke was at Tom's expense as much as anyone else, wasn't it? It's true. It was kind of at Tom's expense. And yet, and yet, even in the joke itself, that wasn't necessarily explained. Like it was kind of an inside joke being told on national television. Um, you know, I I think the reason people know about this is just really because of Leah Remini, and, and for no other reason. Like you could find other reasons, but none of them even come close to Leah Remini and the exposure that she's given to it. It was a major part of the story of how she ended up leaving Scientology. It was a major part of her book. It was a major part of the Scientology in the Aftermath show. Leah's uh, tweets about it regularly. Where is hashtag where is Shelly? Might have even been trending for a little bit on Twitter after the Golden Globes. And, um, you know, does it actually impact Tom's career? It sure doesn't seem to. I think it impacts his reputation in Hollywood on a personal level. Like even a lot of the actors who work with Tom, aside from what they say publicly, do not have a high opinion of him. And yet in Hollywood, it really just all comes down to your bankability anyway. Top Gun 2 did really great. The Mission Impossible movies do really great. So when it comes to interpersonal relationships, I think this kind of stuff is why Tom Cruise doesn't really seem to have any genuine friends. He doesn't seem to have anyone who's close to him. He has coworkers. He has people who say things, uh, nice things in the press. He has, pe you know, he has people who work with him in his movies, but he doesn't really seem to have any friends. And that is because of the Scientology thing. It is because of the David Miscavige thing. And you could say partially because of the Shelley thing. I mean, Tom Cruise's entire world is a world of weirdness because of Scientology and David Miscavige and Shelley, uh, everything that's that's going on with Shelley certainly um, compounds that. I wonder if this might be like a watershed moment for Cruz. This might be like his downfall. It's the first time I've seen it 
really okay 2005 he was going on oprah jumping on sofas and things like that this is the first time that some some real life consequences the idea that something might have happened to a human being which we know because we look in scientology you were in scientology you grew up growing up in scientology of course uh we know but i don't think mainstream people know people are always shocked when i tell people you know tom cruise got his girlfriend to uh, clean a bathroom with a toothbrush those kinds of things and i wonder you know look bankability you're absolutely right and that top gun still did brilliantly but woody allen doesn't do so great these days Polanski Mel Gibson's in a few films doesn't do that great I wonder can you see that as like a Tom Cruise moment if this story does get picked up and you know spirals out of control from his perspective I can't see it getting rising to the level of the other examples that you just gave but but I was thinking about this like when it gets to the point where you're Tom Cruise and you and your best friend cult leader David Miscavige are being mocked and ridiculed on a nationally televised awards show it would not shock me to see Shelly just even have her picture appear in some sort of a staged photo shoot in a Scientology magazine just so that maybe such a joke doesn't get made again. Like it wouldn't shock me. And yet it's sort of a coin toss. I go, it's kind of like 50-50 because Miscavige is so petty and so, um, <laughs> so emotionally disturbed as an individual that on some level, it would just drive him crazy to think that anyone was able to force his hand to do something he didn't personally want to do. I do personally believe that's why he's never done anything to quash these rumors is because he would feel that Leah Remini won. Leah Remini got him to do something. Leah Remini forced his hand. And I even, I had a conversation with Leah where I was like, uh, Leah, I, I don't know why Dave doesn't just do something to produce Shelly and make you look stupid. And he goes, but she said, but Aaron, I, it, I wouldn't feel stupid. I would be just glad that the world could see that she's okay. Because right now we're sort of taking people's word for it. Some people who've seen her and spoken to her that she's okay. How do we know these people are telling the truth? For all we know, she's not okay. And when Leah Remini says she's not okay, she's not just talking about like, is she physically okay? Leah Remini wants Shelly to know that if Shelly wants to leave, Leah and others will take care of her and make sure she's set up and, and, you know, no problems. And so, you know, um, I think that's why this thing continues to have attention put on it um, is so that not only will Miscavige hopefully eventually put out some sort of proof of life, but, 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 but maybe Shelly will be in a position where she'll be able to speak candidly and openly by herself without an attorney present without another senior Scientology Sea Org member present and just be able to honestly say, yes, I would like to leave. Because she would never say that in the presence of any other Scientologist or Sea Org member or attorney or anything like that. What do you think? We're going to go back here a little bit. What do you think did happen, has happened to her? So, well, in 2005, she was sent from Scientology's secret international management base in Riverside County, just north of Hemet, California. She was sent from that base to another much more secretive base up in Twin Peaks, California. And that base is called a CST-based Church of Spiritual Technology. And that's one of the places where they, they, they uh, store versions of L. Ron Hubbard's uh, writings and recordings in imperishable uh, materials in underground nuclear-proof vaults. And these are just highly... Uh, they're very secure bases because their location isn't known to even people in Scientology. 
Um, and they're, you know, they're very remote, they're very secluded and they're fenced off and there's cameras everywhere. And there's only a handful of people who, who even work at the bases. So she was sent off to that base on under normal circumstances that would be considered a promotion for almost any other Sea Org member. Like these are, this organization is very, has very high seniority in the hierarchical structure of Scientology. In Shelly Miscavige's case, it was either a transfer or a demotion. And it was also, she was being banished. Like it was sort of a punishment. The punishment was her being removed from her job as David Miscavige's assistant and then being sent off to a base where she's kind of not going to have a lot of interaction with other Scientologists. You could either consider that a punishment or you could consider it a relaxing vacation. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's all in the eye of the beholder. But in her case, she was definitely being sent there as sort of a banishment so that Miscavige didn't have to, you know, run into her uh, ever. Miscavige can't stand running into people who have fallen out with him, who, he's, who he doesn't like. He doesn't want to, you know, he'd rather be like, I, I don't, I don't want to see the people that I don't want to run into. He, right, yeah, right. So um, now look, I, I announced on my channel last week that someone in 2019, someone who knew Shelly, had worked with Shelly. Uh, saw her, spoke with her, had a conversation with her. This hasn't been reported anywhere, probably for a number of reasons. Um, it doesn't exactly fit the narrative of, does Shelly Miscavige even know it's Christmas? Can she see the sun shining? Um, uh, you know, People who write things like that know about this 2019 sighting, but they've chosen not to write about it for, for a number of reasons. But the fact is, we know. No, I like this conspiracy. Well, it's not a conspiracy. <laughs> What's going on? Um, well, you can't exactly say she hasn't been seen in 15 years if you know she was seen three years ago. So you can't. You can't say. Does Shelley know it's Christmas if you know that she was seen at a restaurant by someone, had a conversation? It's not quite as sensational. So should, should, should I look up who wrote that so we can see who everyone's having a go at? <laughs> nah, let them throw a fit about it. Um, yeah. So. What's my what, what was my point there? So I, it's not it's not like oh my god she hasn't been seen since two thousand seven. That's not true. She's been seen as recently as a few years ago and spoken to. But there still is that lingering question there of does she know that if she wanted to leave she could and she wouldn't end up homeless on the street or flipping burgers at McDonald's like David Miscavige tells everyone at the end base, that's what they'll end up doing if they ever leave. Like, does she actually know that people want to take care of her if she wants to leave? And at this point, that's what the conversation, um, that's what the real conversation is about. So, uh, but, but it's also a very, I mean, it's a very, <laughs> it's very embarrassing for Miscavige that there's even a conversation happening at all about his wife being missing. I do find it very funny that it, it's something that is humiliating for him. Um, and so like when I see the joke on an awards show, that, that's, what, that, that's how it resonates with me. It's like, oh my God. Well, you want to talk about an unforced error. Miscavige, look, Scientology has even produced like uh, glitzy, flashy promotional videos about what they call the preservation of the tech project. And that's what happens at the CST bases is the preservation of the tech project. They, it's not like this thing is a secret anymore. They've got a whole TV show about it on their Scientology TV channel. They could have just had Shelley be one of the talking heads talking about the project. 
Like, that's why I say unforced error. There are so many things Miscavige could have just naturally or organically done to put these things to rest. And yet, because of his personality disorders, he just refuses to do anything that would make it seem like anyone had the upper hand o- over him or, or, you know, forced him to do something. I suppose you could also look at that. I'm just, I'm just speculating here, but it might not just be that he doesn't want Leah Remini to get the uh, upper hand. It might be about Shelley Miscavige, because I guess we can only speculate about their relationship. But I remember in uh, Mike Rinder's book, A Billion Years, he talks about how she was often sort of the nice one, the go-between, between, uh, you know, when David wanted to like punch Mike in the face and stuff like that, she would get in between. So it's very plausible they fell out because he fell out with everyone, David Miscavige did. And he doesn't want to, as you say, see her again, doesn't want to look at her, and certainly doesn't want to come and say, look, we need you to be the face of something or other. Sure. It's true. He wouldn't want her to be the public face of something. But here's the thing. The video that I'm talking about, the people that they put in front of the camera to talk about this program, they didn't even put their names on the screen. So Scientology has produced videos talking about the preservation of the tech where they just put someone there who's a Sea Org member, but they don't tell you who it is. They don't, they don't even put their post title or their name. It's just someone who's talking about the program. They could, they could have had Shelly do that without telling Shelly, Shelly, we're doing this to quash the rumors or we need you to do X, Y, and Z. They could have just been like, Shelly, we're going to do a promotional video about this and we'd like you to talk about, you know, whatever. That's why it's a totally unforced error. And um, I don't personally think, like if I had to bet on it, I don't think the joke at the Golden Globes is going to result, is going to make Miscavige do something to quash these rumors. Um, Meaning, I think the chance is less than 50%, but it's not zero. Like, if I were him, I would put something out. I, I... if I were Miscavige, I would feel embarrassed. You wouldn't lead a cult, though, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> but I would feel embarrassed that my unforced error with respect to my own wife and the organizational issues relating to it caused my best friend Tom to be ridiculed nationally at an awards show. There is a part of me that's like, man, Miscavige just might have to put something out. I think the chance is less than 50%, but it's not zero. Oh my God, it's quite interesting. It's something to keep an eye on in the next few weeks and stuff. Um, so what what do you imagine? So we gather she's alive, and I, I won't say well, because I don't know what sort of situation she's experiencing right now. Um, what, would, what will her life be like day to day, waking up in the morning and all that stuff? Because the CST bases... Uh, don't deal with any public Scientologists, right? There's, there's no one goes there for auditing or courses. They would have a much more predictable and manageable and sustainable schedule than your average Sea Org member who works at the lower level organizations in Los Angeles and Clearwater, et cetera. So like, it's why I've said most Sea Org members would kill to be posted at these bases is because there's no particular demands or urgency on their time, particularly now that these bases have pretty much already accomplished the primary goal, which was to get all of LRH's materials stored on these imperishable materials. Now the people who are at these bases are just there guarding the vaults. They're just there so that someone is there. They don't actually have any responsibilities the way a normal Sea Org member would think of responsibilities. So it's actually a very chill, low-key, 
relaxing life in the context of being a Sea Org member. There's always going to be some artificially, you know, artificially urgent demand to do this or that. But, you know, when you hear people talking about their horror stories of being in the Sea Org, whether it's Los Angeles or Clearwater or the International Management Base, it would not be that way on these CST bases where their only job is to guard the vault and not like, and not like be on, you know, vigilantly standing watch, standing in front of the door. No, just to be on the base. Just someone's got to be there. Like, like I, I showed some drone footage that was shot of, uh, of the base where Shelly um, is working. This drone flew all around the base for 20 minutes. Not a soul, not a soul to be seen. They're just, there's nothing to do. <laughs> and yet if you go, and yet if you go to Google maps, if you go to Google or Google earth and um, you go to street view, they did actually manage to drive by while a car was pulling out of the base, out of the gates of the base. So I, I thought that was interesting. Um, so anyway, I mean, your question is what would her life be like or her schedule? Very normal, mundane and boring. You know, she would probably be getting normal eight hours of sleep or more because what else is there to do on these bases? Nothing. That's a recipe for misery though, I think. Well, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I mean, but you know, life in Scientology, life in the C organization, there's always things you can come up with to do, even if it's, well, like you said, scrubbing the toilets. But <laughs> there's gardening to be done. There's landscaping. There's maintenance. There's there's a lot of properties on the base. Uh, a lot of a, a lot of structures. I mean, a lot of buildings on the base for, um, for a base that doesn't really serve any purpose other than just to store a vault. So there's always things for her to be busy on. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn dot com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. 
on What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on what could go right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. And do we know, so so you talked before about these sort of sources or a source who bumped into um, others don't want to report that. This was in 2019. Uh, what do we know about that? How, how do we, is that is that something you've got as a primary source or people know about? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I have a primary source on that. And the source just um, uh, just does not, is not ready to um, relinquish their anonymity. Uh, the time will come. The time will come, though. And so I just, I'm choosing not, I mean, Scientology would love for me to just give more and more details and they do record and watch all the videos that I do. So if I give one detail here and another detail here and another detail, here, they'll connect all the dots and figure out who I'm talking about. And it wouldn't even be the end of the world if they did figure out who I was talking about. It's just that they've asked, um, they're not ready for Scientology to know that and that's okay. So, but it, but it was a com. It, so all of the other sightings you've heard about are pe- sightings from people who've Never known Shelly, never worked with her, didn't speak to her, and honest, let's be honest, would not recognize her. So there's the, 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 this sighting is someone who did know her, uh, was known to her. They knew each other. Um, they have uh, a history. It's not, oh, did he maybe or did he not? No, no. The, the, um, it, you know, he, she, in my videos, I refer to this person alternately in the male or female so that, you know, Scientology can't even uh, nail that part down. Um, uh, a conversation took place. A conversation took place. She, and this is 2019. So it's widely reported that she hasn't been seen since 2006 or 2007. Well, it's just not true anymore. And it's fine if people don't want to take my word for it. I'm not, I'm, but, but it's, but the, the people, the people in this world, I'm not the only one who knows this is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think there's yeah. some, some, yeah, some, underlying stuff going on there but i i get what you're saying and did, 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 i don't think this would get, give away anything about this person's identity did they did they say whether shelly looked well did she look healthy happy yeah she was fine she was eating a meal with a few other people got to eat meals i mean seer uh, members are always going to act happy and look happy even if they're not so um so even that i don't i don't like i don't even say that this conversation is proof that she doesn't want to leave in fact for me that's still the outstanding issue with respect to shelly does she want to leave? Does she know that if she did leave, she would be taken care of? But at least as far as the sighting uh, goes and the conversation goes, did she look healthy? Yes. Did she look like she was being uh, there against her will? She was at, she was having a meal 
in a public place. So the idea that Scientology would let Shelley out to have a meal at a place if she was considered a flight risk, that's not how Scientology works. You don't just let flight risks out to have meals. You know where else you can have a meal? Behind the gates of the base, you can have all the meals you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Do you think she's a true believer then? She's 100% a true believer. And, and yet that doesn't mean she doesn't want to leave. Like she might even be ha- having this struggle with herself. I want to leave, but because I'm a true believer, I'm going to stay anyway. It's very unlikely that, that it's external forces making Shelly stay. It really could be a battle that she's fighting within her own mind. It's so sad, really. Like this thing you believe in so much, and then the leader of it was the person you were the closest to and has apparently banished you. And we don't know for what, but she she might not know, right? Oh, no, Shelly knows why. Shelly knows. I mean, in fact, that's even been widely reported. Miscavige had given the, the staff at the international base some impossible tasks to do. And it was it was an intentional thing. It was just something to keep them all busy. Um, and that he could, every time they would try to submit these tasks to him as being finished, he could just review them and be like, nope, this is garbage, start over. So, you know, it was a very sort of mentally manipulative and abusive, you know, thing that he was doing with the crew at the international base. Well, there was a period, and this has been reported by, by Mike Rinder and Mark Hadley and others. There was a period where Miscavige had left the base to deal with some things. And while he was gone, Shelley personally intervened to finish the tasks that he had ordered be done. And Miscavige saw that as sort of aligning herself with the other side. Because now, how could he go to the others and say, no, you screwed it all up when his own wife, Shelly, is the one who was saying, it's done now, right? So he was like, oh, you're going over to the enemy, I see. And so he's like, you're out of here. Um, and that's, it's, it's honestly kind of par for the course for how Miscavige treats people. It was just a matter of time before he did it to his own wife. Has he? Has there been reports or rumors of him uh, with other women? There's not. I mean, other than, you know, uh, Leah Remini said that at Tom Cruise's wedding, it looked like Miscavige's assistant, um, Larisse Stukenbrock, that might not be the last name she uses now. And she goes by Lou, which is confusing because when you hear that uh, Miscavige might be in a relationship with someone named Lou, uh, people will infer different things about about that. So uh, Leah Remini reported that his assistant uh, was getting a little, ha- seemed to be getting a little handsy with him in a way that w- would uh, raise some eyebrows. So um, I've never heard anyone who worked at the international base speculate that Miscavige and Larice, or I'm going to call her Larice because I can't stand calling a woman Lou. Um, I've never heard anyone who worked with them speculate that they're actually having a relationship. Uh, in fact, I've heard the opposite, that Miscavige is kind of an asexual person and uh, probably just enjoys his own company at night. <laughs> what, um, what can we infer? And it's a question from Elsie in the questions as well. What is, what the, from, from what we've heard and what we know, what Shelley Miscavige is actually like? And I ask this because... You always sort of hear when someone goes missing or whatever, they were the nicest person, the loveliest person. And it also works for us as like a foil to to David Miscavige. And I'm always thinking, and I'm probably being unfair here, but I'm always thinking, well, she's also, I guess, the wife and she chose to be, you know, despite all the good things we've heard about her, she was part of this big thing. I, do you know what I mean? I don't know. What do you think? Is there a more balanced answer to it? I can only forward what I've heard from others. I didn't personally work with Shelley. But like you said, 
it wouldn't really make sense that she was just the princess in all of this and Miscavige was the dark evil force. So I think when you hear positive things about Shelley, it's because compared to Miscavige, she like, or, or next to Miscavige, she was the tempering influence. She was the one trying to sort of patch people up after Miscavige had, you know, destroyed everything. She was the one trying to figure out how to fix Miscavige. She was the kinder, gentler side of Miscavige, although that probably doesn't make her kind and gentle. Um, you know, Mike Rinder, for example, really has never had anything but relatively positive interactions with Shelly Miscavige, and they've known each other their entire lives. But Mike was also, as a Sea Org member, at such a high level that he and Shelly were really more peers than anything else, even though Shelly had seniority over Mike. They were really more peers. Um, most of the people that I know who worked at the international base do not have positive things to say about Shelly. Um, and, but you know, it's easy to see how she comes off as the sympathetic one here being the female and being the one who's missing. Um, but there are many who will say she was just, she was just, you know, the other half of the problem known as David Miscavige. So those who are not so sympathetic, what do they say? Because I do believe very much you should judge someone based on how they treat those who are beneath them, you know, in the hierarchy. Well, I mean, look, I'm, uh, to be fair, uh, the only way to succeed and excel as an executive in the C organization is to be absolutely ruthless. I mean, uh, it's, uh, the, you know, the, the, how ruthless someone is might exist somewhere on the spectrum of ruthlessness, but... The policies that L. Ron Hubbard wrote on how to be an effective leader and executive in Scientology and the C organization do require you to have the capacity to be pretty awful. So even when I, if I if I'm saying something that sounds like I'm criticizing Shelley, it's not criticizing her like fundamentally as as a human being. It's just she didn't rise to the level that she rose to and succeed at that level for so long by just being a sweetheart. Like that would just be obviously false. And, um, and also you never know when you hear stories, like what's the bi uh, sort of a selection bias on the stories. Like the people with negative stories are probably more likely to speak out than the people with positive stories. Um, but she was just as ruthless as you would expect a Scientology executive to, to be or to be capable of being. And yet she wasn't quite as psycho. Like, I mean, Miscavige really is kind of a whole other level of, of demented when it when it comes to how he manages and how he deals with people like um <laughs> so i i don't know i could uh, i didn't work with shelly you know someone like dylan gill for example dylan gill worked at the cst base where shelly's now working and, and he's worked with shelly miscavige he doesn't uh, i don't want to speak for dylan but my recollection is he doesn't have great stories about shelly um, there's a handful of other people who I know who just have quite, quite bad stories about Shelly. I don't think it's really my place to say which stories are most representative of most representative of her, but, um, <laughs> at a certain level, when you're talking about an organization that does so much harm, you can't have a someone who is essentially number two in the organization and be like, no, she was the good one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the thing. No, that's not, 
Well, people yeah. people are not all good or bad either. You know, we're complicated. It does sound like David's miscarriage might be all bad from from what I've heard. How do, do we know how the two of them met? Had she? You talk of her sort of rising to the top, but I always just imagined. Well, of course, she was at the top. She was his wife. But maybe is it more of a case she had to rise to the top to get the opportunity to be his wife? Um, so both Shelley and Dave started working um, for the C organization for Elron Hubbard when they were teenagers. So um, at that time. There was an organization of people who served uh, served Elron Hubbard directly called the Commodore's Messengers. The, the Commodore is what Elron Hubbard called himself as the head of the C organization. And so David and Shelley were both two people who existed within the world of the Commodore's Messengers organization. And I, I mean, they've been married probably since, I don't know if it was late teens or early 20s, but they've probably been married since that age. Okay, so that was part of how she rose as well. It doesn't mean she had to be so ruthless to get to the top, you know? Well, I think even, it's not like when they got married, Miscavige wasn't already running Scientology. To the best of my understanding. Sometimes I get the timeline and all of this mixed up. But it's not like they got married after Miscavige sort of took over ultimate control. Um, Miscavige was just an executive, hold, held an executive role in the Commodore's Messengers organization for a long time because um, until L. Ron Hubbard died, the role of that organization was essentially to, to be L. Ron Hubbard's emissary, to act as his eyes and ears, to you know run around and do his bidding. So they both existed within that organization and, and you know, let's say excelled in that organization. It, and then and then they got married at, at some point there. So so yeah, you could say they sort of rose together. But I would say Shelley didn't Shelley didn't excel in the CMO just because she was married to Dave. Um, they both excelled in their own right. That's how I that's how I understand it. Aaron, as somebody who you know grew up in Scientology, left it. It obviously plays a big role in your life. What would it mean a lot? What would it mean to you to sort of wake up tomorrow and read the newspapers and Shelley's like I've left and here's here's what where I was kind of thing. If she actually left, that would be a big deal. There are even uh, people go, uh, 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 who could, could anyone single-handedly take down Scientology? Could it be Tom Cruise? Shelly Miscavige could single-handedly take down Scientology. Wow. More so than Tom Cruise. Those are big words. There's a really good reason for Miscavige to make sure Shelly can't leave. Um, now, what's one of the best ways to make sure Shelly doesn't want to leave? to make sure she doesn't want to leave. <laughs> I mean, that might sound redundant and ridiculous. The best way for Miscavige to make sure Shelly is not going to escape is to make sure Shelly is happy and comfortable and fulfilled. Like, I, I know we say Miscavige is not of the right mind, but strategically speaking, I hope people understand this. I'll say it one more time. The best way to make sure Shelly Miscavige does not escape from Scientology is to make sure she has no reason to want to. Give her a sweetheart job, give her a sweetheart schedule, give her no responsibilities, let her listen to all the LRH lectures she wants to listen to in a day, let her plant flowers and roses and knit and yarn and read whatever the hell she wants to do. That would be Miscavige's absolute best bet, okay? Because Shelly Miscavige could single-handedly bring down Scientology. And because of the... Inf she knows everything more than Mike Rinder, more than Marty Rathbun, more than Mark Headley, more than, you know, she knows everything. And Mike Rinder has said this himself. So, um, yeah, if I woke up tomorrow and Shelly Miscavige had escaped and was telling her story, I'd be like, game over. 
But if I but if I wake up tomorrow morning and it's like, oh, Shelly Miscavige is publicly appeared at a Scientology event, I'd be like, yeah, no big deal. She, I, I, I never suspected she was anything other than perfectly fine. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Man, this this that would be amazing. I, I, well, I hope it happens. Then it'd be it would be incredible. Let's. Um, so we've got a couple of questions. I mean, C. Adams asked why was she demoted slash banished. We we have answered that. So just if if you go back and watch it all again, every everyone watch it all fifty times so it does well in the whatever it does well in. Um, <laughs> and then there's some questions that are not necessarily exactly related. But uh, Melissa Neal says what happened, Lisa Marie. I've got a lot of questions about. Uh, and, and then there's another one here from uh, Twan Solo who says, Hey, Aaron. Aaron have you heard about Lisa Marie Presley? Sorry if it's off topic, but I saw that she has had a cardiac arrest as of an hour ago. I got the same information that you got delivered to me via Twitter. Uh, I didn't get any special phone calls with any special information. But, you know, maybe she was so shocked at the joke. She, Lisa Marie Presley was in the audience at the Golden Globes when Jared Carmichael made that joke. Wow. Wow. So that, I mean, you're not even joking. Lisa Marie Presley and Priscilla Presley were both in the audience when that joke about Shelly Miscavige was made. And I only wish the cameras had zoomed in on just their reaction. But, but you know, so, so you got a couple things going on. Now that Danny Masterson is going to be retried, I'd say the chances are very, very good that they were going to, Lisa Marie Presley is going to be called to testify this time. So she could be freaking out about that. Um, do I really think that has anything to do with her heart attack? I don't think so. Um, I think there's several reasons why someone... Uh, like Lisa Marie would be having heart attacks. Um, but I don't know anything else more than anyone else knows on this. Well, there we are. Um, this has been great. Aaron, have you got some some big stuff coming out in the next couple of days you want people to go have a look on growing up in Scientology for? I got some big things coming up for sure, but uh, just stay tuned. And uh, yeah, growing up in Scientology is the YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming. <laughs> Thank you to my friend Aaron Smith-Levin. Go follow his YouTube channel, Growing Up in Scientology. He's a great guy um, and we've done a lot with him and I'm sure I will continue to do so in the future. That story about Shelley Miscavige is just insane to me. It's one of the maddest things that's been going on in this cult of Scientology these last few decades and that's saying something because there's a lot of mad stuff if you haven't already go listen to Aaron in the last couple of episodes talk about his growing up in Scientology and his leaving thereof uh, coming up episodes on atheism and agnosticism with Emma Thorne Coleman Hughes Helen Lewis and big names it's all kicking off see you then step into the world of power loyalty and luck I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply